Welcome to the KBB Review Podcast. My name is Andy Davis, and you're listening to episode 22 of season three. And this week we're talking about high demand. Most people are experiencing it thanks to the boom for home renovation that kicked off during the lockdowns and now beyond. So there's no question that this demand has shielded this industry from the turmoil experienced by so many other sectors. But the big question now is, of course, how long is it going to last? Plus, equally as important, are the current supply issues hamstringing retailers' ability to cash in fully on that demand while it lasts? I'm talking to a couple of people who are very much on the front line. First up, we've got Bill Miller, the MD of the Kitchen and Bathroom Buying Group. Let me tell you, he pulls no punches in his evaluation of how suppliers are handling the current problems. That's worth a listen. And then we have Tom Setchell, the MD of retailer RFK in the Midlands, and he's giving us the shop floor perspective on this current boom. Now, quick note, next week's show is going to be the last episode of Season 3. I'm taking a couple of weeks off or so to catch up with myself, but we shall return very soon afterwards with Season 4. Believe it or not, next week will actually be the 99th episode of the KPB Review podcast. So we're going to kick off Season 4 with Episode 100. Yes, it's very exciting stuff, and I would reveal more, but I haven't actually worked out what I'm going to do yet. But, to cover up that, back to this week, and before we get started... As I'm sure you know by now, entries are open for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2022. It's totally free to enter, so if you're a designer with a fantastic project to show us, or a retailer with a great showroom, or a supplier with a hardworking team, or an installation company with a top track record, we want to hear from you. But the clock is ticking as the entries close on November the 16th, and there will be no extensions. What's the point of that? All the info on the categories and how to enter is at kbbreview.com forward slash awards. Okay, as promised, here is Bill Miller, the Managing Director of the Kitchen Bathroom Buying Group, or the KBBG. Hello, Bill. Hello, Andrew. Hello, sir. How are you doing today? I'm very well, Andrew. Thank you. Uh, Very well. Good to talk to you. Good, good, good. Now, let's start, Bill, if you don't mind, with a brief explanation of the KBBG, what it does, what it's all about, etc. Yeah, of course. So we're part of Decrys, which is one of Europe's largest international buying groups for kitchen bathroom retailers. Business was started by our, uh, still our owner, a German gentleman called Mr. Scheibler, started the business 42 years ago, genuinely off his kitchen table. He saw uh, an opportunity to create a new business in Germany initially to help and support independent, at that time, uh, kitchen retailers. What he refers to somewhat quaintly in German, but I think it, it translates quite quite well into English as Mama and Papa Kitchen Studios, the smaller independent studios that 42 years ago, and I still think very relevant today, was uh, struggling to compete against some of the larger retailers. And what he did was combine the buying power of a small number of German retailers in a particular region in Germany, Westphalia, and, and he just brought these three or four dealers together, got them to start purchasing their kitchens of a loose kind of uh, informal arrangement with a supplier. By combining their buying power, they were able to leverage a better deal from that one kitchen supplier. And really from that, De Christ was born, the circle, as you probably know, De Christ translates as the circle. So, and, and really, it's grown from that sort of very small, informal kind of arrangement to a business that I think was audited last year, a total turnover of 4.3 billion euros which might be quite surprising to a lot of people that the size and scale of DeCrys now and operates in eight countries. We launched in the UK as the first buying group uh, working with independent kitchen and bathroom retailers back in uh, the very tail end of 2000 and 
2013 and started signing up our first members in 2014. And it's been such an interesting journey, launching something brand new. I think there was a few raised eyebrows when we first started this, but I have to say it's just been an absolute joy and pleasure to do it, working with independents. And I'd like to think we've, we've been fairly successful and, and continue to grow and develop. Yeah, I mean, I got a bit nervous there for a second, Bill, because I thought you were going to give me a vocab test. So don't don't do that to me again. So how many how many members do you have over here now? We don't we don't reveal that because I think at the end of the day that is our kind of intellectual property. But listen, it's significant. We're signing up at a rate of one or two new members a week. I think the but the pandemic has certainly made retailers review and think about their business structure, their strategy. And, and I think during the pandemic, a lot of dealers found themselves a little bit sort of lonely, felt a bit unsupported. And being being a member of a group of like-minded retailers suddenly started to sound, um, you know, a bit more attractive, if for no other reason than just networking, you know, with fellow retailers. And, and I think that, that's proved to be the case. So I, I think the number of emails I've had flying into my inbox from retailers asking for more information, I mean, some literally saying a one-liner, Bill, I'd like to join, how do I go about it? Just is really satisfying to receive those sort of communications. It just proves what we're doing is proved to be right. Yeah, well, we'll, t- we'll touch on that a bit uh, later on, I think. But you've got a lot of retailers there in your fold, as you say, and you're talking to them all the time. So let's get your evaluation of how the market is right now, a real snapshot of how busy it is. It's always very easy, isn't it, to, to have sort of sweeping generalisations for what is a very, very complex market with many thousands of retailers stretching across the country. And this obviously won't be the same for, for everyone. And I know, speaking to some of our members, they have got incredibly frustrated hearing from suppliers, reading in the press, social media, how busy the market is, because for some dealers, that may not actually be the case. However, I think the general temperature of the market is burning hot. It's been crazy probably since the first sort of lockdown came to an end around about the middle of last year. And since then, it just has been just so, so busy. Consumers just seem to have a real appetite for wanting to spend and invest in their homes. I think there's a whole range of factors and reasons for that. Um, And I think all the surveys and information we seem to receive, and certainly the anecdotal evidence from our retailers, is a new kitchen and a new bathroom uh, is sort of very, very high on their wish list as things they want to do. I think, um, was it in the recent House survey, I I think it was over 70% of the respondents said they had made some changes to the kitchen, some renovation, I think, was the expression used in the survey. Obviously, that doesn't necessarily entail a new kitchen. That could be simply a change of decoration, a change of worktops, a change of you know, lighting. But obviously, for many of those respondents, a new kitchen was very much part of the project. So, yeah, I think the market has been, uh, I'm almost loath to use the B word, the boom word. But, but I, think you, you, I think, yeah, I think you can call it a boom we've been seeing for the last 18 months. And it shows no great sign of lessening. Yes, of course. It sort of waxes and wanes a little bit around things like school holidays, that, that sort of the sporting events we had in the summer. Those kind of had a, a slight dampening effect. But overall, I think for many, many of our retailers, the majority, they're absolutely flying. And in fact, struggling to keep up, I think, with, with the demand in terms of turning quotes around quickly enough, designs around quickly enough and, and things like that, which I'm sure we'll be talking about. Part of it for me, I think, is the waxing and the waning, as you describe it, because that you would see that in a kind of calendar year anyway, as you quite rightly say. But I guess it, it's the peaks and the troughs of it. 
depending on what the next thing along the next week is. So, for example, there's been a lot of talk this week about rising interest rates, for instance, to try and sort of curtail inflation a little bit. And I think those kind of things can dampen the market at a time when demand is incredibly high. There are there are lots of factors involved in this other than just Mr. Smith wants a new kitchen. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, you, you're right, Andrew. I mean, what I would say, though, obviously a new kitchen, um, particularly for the independent retailers we work with, you know, is a, is a very, very considered long-term purchase and i would say if i had to put a figure on it let's put a figure on it i would say over 80 percent of the kitchens that are sold through an independent is part of larger building works often i mean i'm again hearing anecdotal but i'm hearing it very often a complete house renovation literally from the front door to the apex of the roof every single bit in that house is being renovated that seems to have been coming out of lockdown and the pandemic it seems to have been a very popular kind of project and absolutely everything in the house and a kitchen is part of that project so you know yes you might have a situation where let's say a kitchen or, or, or replacement bathroom budget might be say 25 30,000 pounds but in the overall scheme of things that is actually relatively small compared to potentially the hundreds of thousands of pounds that may be spent in renovating the house the point i'm making is that in that type of sale the purchaser is looking at a much bigger picture and Yes, interest rates and these things, sporting events and, and all those kind of things will have a, a, a minimal effect. But overall, I think consumers are committed to investing in their home. And, and again, I don't see that changing. And I don't really see these changes that you've, you've touched on there. I don't really see them having a, a dramatic effect. Of course, it will have an effect. It might reduce, say, demand by 5%, 8%, whatever. But overall, with the market in such a strong state, I actually don't think for the independent, your typical high street independent, I don't think it'll make that much difference. Yeah, because, I mean, we thought that the end of the stamp duty holiday might make a difference and it doesn't seem to have really dented anything. No, I don't think that's come through to the market yet, Andrew. I think it may do. I, I, I think certainly something that I'm sure we all saw over the summer months, I mean, we've not, certainly I've not seen so much of, you know, where I live near Winchester, is a number of sold boards that suddenly cropped up. Plenty of for sale boards used to seeing those, but not so many sold boards. And, and that was a, a marked change. Interestingly, now a lot of those sold boards I've noticed have now disappeared. And again, we're back to a lot of for sale boards out there. So I, I think that will have an effect because, again, very typically, of course, you know, when somebody moves into a new property, they want to put their stamp on it. Again, new kitchen, new bathroom, house renovation, very typical. So I think I think that will also take a little bit of heat out the market. So I, I, I think if I... Um, you know, if I, if I was sort of a betting man, I would think the market, there will be a, a, a slight softening of the market, a slight cooling of the market, if you will, as we move into 2022. But overall, the market is so strong anyway, a little bit of the cooling. I've heard some dealers say to me, Bill, do you know what? A bit of cooling actually is almost to be welcomed because we're struggling to keep up with the demand that we're getting at the moment. So a 10, 15% reduction in inquiries for some dealers some may actually be a you know be a welcomed you know break and chance to consolidate some of the business that they've already done. Well, you know what I think what I'm getting at here is that the management of demand is about being able to predict or forecast the future in a reasonably confident way, and it's probably usually based on last year's you know and the year before and the year before that. So is all that out the window at the moment? Is unpredictability the norm now? Yes, absolutely. I mean, one of the cliches we we keep hearing about, isn't it, is a new normal. 
I'm, I'm not quite sure there's anything of normal at the moment. Uh, I, I think it's all a bit chaotic and a bit frantic at the moment is the sense I get. I think there's a lot of rushing around. There's a lot of energy being, uh, being um, used up. I'm not sure necessarily all in the right directions. I mean, I've been in this market, gosh, 30 years plus, and you know, I've never known anything like it. You know, it's, 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 it's very, very odd. You know, I, when I go and see a retailer, you know, the first part of the conversation, of course, the classic salesperson's question, how's business? You know, positive, usually, usually that's the response, positive, good. And then, of course, we get on to the thornier issues of supply, you know, lack of staff, lack of installers, um, you know. And so the second half of our conversation with the dealer can sometimes um, you know, almost to, you know, sound sound reasonably negative in terms of um, you know, feedback from the, from the dealer. So to answer your question, yeah, I think you're quite right. You know, I think we're a market that is, isn't used to fairly wild swings and wild changes. And the independent retailers are certainly not great, I don't think, of handling uh, change. But boy, they've all had to, to learn quickly, haven't they? I mean, things as, as basic as learning how to use things like Zoom and Teams and you know, all those kind of things. These are all things that independents are having to get used to that they've had no experience of in the past. So yes, they're all in the, they're all in a big learning curve at the moment. Yeah, I mean, you are a buying group. The whole principle of that is building relationships with suppliers. And obviously, the supply chain itself has been a real issue during this peak of demand. What's your view on that sorting itself out anytime soon? I think it's a bit of a cure it's egg, isn't it? Good in parts. I think there's definitely improvements in certain areas, but I think as quickly as certain areas are improving, uh, I think other areas are are slipping. I think the dishwasher situation, which I think is the was almost the starting point of this last year, I think that has improved anecdotally. Talking to the dealers and suppliers, you know, there are models now becoming available. Stock is coming in now. So if you want, a di- I think there was times last year, if you wanted a dishwasher, I think you were struggling to almost find any brand with any dishwashers. I think that situation has now gone. You know, if you're looking for very specific models, you might struggle. But I think on a, as a wider picture, dishwashers, integrated cooling, I think has improved. But I'm also hearing issues now arising with other appliances, cooking appliances. I mean, appliances that you wouldn't necessarily imagine you would have stock issues with. Compact, you know, microwave ovens, coffee machines, those type of things have suddenly become in short supply. So the poor old retailer, it's, it's a bit like the... Um, you know, the, the guy in the circus spinning the plates, you know, as quickly as they're getting one plate starting to spin again, other plates are, are, are beginning to wobble. I, I think on a, on a wider point, though, I, I won't reveal the brand because I think it'd be very unfair because they, they told me in confidence, but, but a very, very large brand in our industry, a brand that I think a lot of, an appliance brand I'm referring to here, a brand that I think a lot of retailers would think of as probably one of the most consistent brands around, admitted to me that, their supply chain had been found absolutely wanting. The communication, both internally within their business and importantly, very importantly, communication with customers was found to just be completely, not useless, but but completely not right for purpose because of the pressure under which that supply chain had been put under. And, And they said because of what had happened and the failings that they'd seen within their own business, you know, they were now investing huge amounts of time and money in terms of completely rebuilding their supply chain almost from scratch, almost introducing a completely new system across the whole of Europe with mega investment going in, in an effort to come up with a supply chain that was much more robust and much more 
right for the current market conditions. You know, the just-in-time philosophy that I think all the brands have kind of been working on has just been found to, you know, just not in time is, is probably been the better point. And so maybe almost going back to how things used to be in the old days, I remember going into warehouses full of stock. You know, maybe that is the, the future that the brands are going to have to invest a lot more in holding stock on the shelf. And maybe the the constant change of model numbers almost on a weekly basis, bringing out new models, new models, new models, which is fine in a just-in-time uh, strategy. But 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 if you're holding lots of stock in a warehouse as a manufacturer, obviously that's not quite such a good idea. So so maybe you know the introduction of new models might slow down. So out of all of this confusion, disaster, however you want to look at it, I, I think will come a much ro- you know a more robust supply chain system. But of course, when you're talking with these multi-million pound, billion pound organizations across the whole of the world, they are like the big ocean liner. It's going to it's going to take a long time. So, you know, unfortunately, I wish I was the bearer of better news on this. But but my view, speaking to all of the suppliers we're working with, be they appliance suppliers, kitchen furniture suppliers, you know, accessory suppliers, sink and tap suppliers, none of them have been immune to this, this problem. I don't foresee any significant improvements in supply chain until well into next year. I, I think you could be looking more second half next year before you, you know, a retailer starts to see things coming back into, you know, how they would have used to see in the pre-pandemic in terms of delivery lead times. Um, for some suppliers, maybe never. Maybe maybe they won't ever get back to the kind of the speed of response, order it today, get it tomorrow kind of response that, that dealers have got used to. So, yeah, I think this whole period has been... Um, transformative for good or bad for a lot of suppliers i think yeah and of course it's not just the chain it's as you said it's the communication that i think has been the main bugbear i I need a dishwasher but can somebody just tell me where that dishwasher is please and i can plan accordingly absolutely and having been a retailer myself back in the midst of time uh, i know and, and dealing with the retailers you know one thing about independents are they are incredibly resilient incredibly resilient they might moan like hell about it but they find a way they find a way but when the communication either stops or the communication they're receiving is proved to be completely incorrect, you know, I, I think that is something they just cannot. You know, nobody can work the business. You know, when you are told you will get this product in three weeks' time and three weeks comes and you're told you're going to get it in another three weeks' time, then another three weeks' time, you know, that is just completely unacceptable. You know, the, the retailers just cannot get their heads around it. They can accept the fact the supplier can't supply you know, they can understand the reasons behind that, the, the cost of containers and all the rest. They can then get their heads around all of that. What they can't cope with is, is not knowing. Because obviously, at the end of the chain, you, you've got a consumer. The poor old consumer here is, you know, is being told information by the retailer. That's proved not to be correct. Then, of course, the consumer, quite rightly, is taking no prisoners and, and is obviously giving you know, the retailer merry hell. And, and the retailer is then giving them another delivery date given to them by the supplier that then proves to be incorrect and it, it you know that that wastes so much time energy emotion and you end up with a really really unhappy uh, consumer through no fault of the retailer i think that area has improved I, I think you know manufacturers have learned that keeping their customers in the dark and and not giving them information or giving them spurious information it just doesn't cut it you know you can't do that so so i i think that is one lesson that's come out of this is to be honest be upfront you know, to please, please, please be honest, honest with your customers. Tell them, you know, if you've got a problem and this product will not be available for six months, don't tell the customers it'll be available in a month. 
and then hope and pray that they'll still they'll still stick the order and keep the order. If it's six months, tell them six months. If that happens, then I think you know the retailers will find ways to cope and manage around the long lead times. It's just about that quality of information. That's a subject that's clearly going to run and run, isn't it? And I think, as you say, it's been the oddly, it's been the biggest companies that have had the the biggest issues with it, both in terms of the supply chain, but also the reputational damage they've had with the retailers on the back of it. It's a very hard circle to square when it's still going on. I think it's the problem with it is, I suppose, that you know some companies and, there, and we, you know, there are there are more than one, then declare record turnovers and record profits, and and I think that's very galling to the retailer who just wants dishwashers delivered. So oh, absolutely, Andrew. No, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I think I think there's been a a fear. I mean, I you know I, I've sat on the other side of the fence. You know, I've I've worked for manufacturers, and and there is this kind of abiding fear that if you but if you wash your dirty linen in public, it's not a good thing. So if you've got a supply problem, the thought has always been you don't share that with your retailers because if you tell them that the product is going to be an extended delivery, the fear is the retailer will cancel the order. So the idea is what you do is in that situation, you try and manage the problem by drip feeding the information to the retailer in small increments in order to keep the order on the system. And, and as I say, what's been proven because of the severity of the problem that just does not work. You cannot, you cannot sort of drip feed the information in and, and basically give the retailer false information in the hope of just trying to keep that order. Uh, and I think that whole business philosophy has completely been busted and gone out the window. It doesn't work and leads to a real unhappy customer base. If there's good things that's come out of this, hopefully a more honest approach by manufacturers and suppliers to the retailers. I think I think that's, uh, you know, if that comes out of, out of all of this issues that we've had over the last 18 months, then that will be a good thing. Yeah. Right. As I say, uh, we touched on it earlier. You, you're a buying group. You're in the spirit of impartiality. There are others out there too, of course. Have you seen more interest in membership through the last 18 months because of issues such as supply or the idea of strength in numbers? What are the reasons people are coming to you? It's, it's a really interesting one, isn't it? I, I think as I've traveled around Europe and I've met, I've met retailers operate, independents operating in other countries, one thing that comes across very, very clearly is a more accepting more of, a, of an approach of working together. Often in, in many areas, whether you're talking France, Germany, Holland, I've, I've visited retailers in these areas, there's a much greater acceptance of working together as a body of independence. So you might have three kitchen independents in a town, in Holland, for example. They will know each other. They will, they will spend time with each other. They will visit each other's stores. They will understand each other's businesses, and they will, sh- they will share each other's triumphs and disasters. You don't get that in the UK. For a whole range of reasons, that is not the way the UK market is structured. Often you will get retailer A saying, I will work with you, but you don't work with retailers B and C in the same town. If you you do, you can't work with me. So you have a different approach, different business ethos, different way of doing things. So the buying group, therefore, has to be developed and, and, and changed slightly in terms of the way it works in the UK. And it's been a slow process. The networking, the bringing together of retailers has been slow process. And what was interesting and at, our, at our most recent meeting two weeks ago, which was our seventh, would you believe, you know, in the very early days of our meetings, you could clearly see a little bit of suspicion among the retailers, everybody standing there, a little bit in silence, everyone a bit nervous about talking to the guy standing next to them. Because again, for the reasons I've outlined, it's not something typically in the, in the business ethos of the UK. You know, they don't want to share anything, they don't want to talk. Now, as so many of our members have, have come to many of our meetings, if you took a step back, you would have thought you were looking at a group of old friends meeting together because you know so many of the dealers know each other. 
the networking aspect, the working together aspect, the real the realization that I might have my independent kitchen business in Wales, and I'm meeting a guy who's got an independent business in North London, and yet we though geographically we're miles and miles apart, but we share so many of the same problems. Our, our day-to-day issues are exactly the same. It creates a platform for communication and networking that is very rare in our market. So yes, the issues around the pandemic and dealers having to spend a lot of time at home on their own, worrying quite rightly about the future of their business and what the future may hold. It can be a very lonely and worrying uh, experience. And, and, and I don't want to make any grand claims about joining you know, our buying group or joining another buying group. But definitely one of the key benefits of joining the buying group is that ability to, to rub shoulders and talk to other like-minded retailers. Right, let's round this up, Bill, with the most difficult question of all. If we have this conversation again in 12 months' time, where will we be? What's your crystal ball telling you that's going to be happening in a year's time? I think we'll be in a good place. I think the market will have been through one of the most traumatic and difficult times, but also one of the most buoyant times, I think. So I think in 12 months' time, I think the market will still be strong. I think there'll still be lots of inquiries. I think there'll still be lots of sales being done. Independence, I think, will be in a good place. I think the supply problems that we spent quite a lot of time talking about and the communication issues around that, I think, will be improved. So I think the delivery lead times, the lack of stock, I think a lot of those issues will be gone. So I think we'll be in a very, very good place. I think there are issues that could obviously affect that and affect that positivity. Obviously, we haven't really talked about COVID. I'm not going to talk about COVID. I think we're all probably sick to death of talking about COVID. But of course, if there was to be some variant coming down the track that no one has foreseen that is able to somehow sidestep the vaccine program, then then of course, we could be entering a, a whole nother era of lockdowns and that doesn't even bear thinking about. But assuming that doesn't happen, unlikely to happen, but assuming that doesn't happen, then yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always optimistic. I'm very optimistic. Independents always find a way. And, and, and I think they've, they've shown over the last 18 months, despite all the challenges they've had, they found a way to continue to do amazing business. You know, we see that, you know, we see their sales figures. You know, we're right at the sharp end. We get all the turnover figures for the suppliers that our members work with. And almost universally across the board, they are way up on, on pre-pandemic. I'm not talking about up comparing 2021 with 2020, pandemic to pandemic. I'm talking about comparing it to 2019, 2018. Pre-pandemic, dealers are showing um, you know growth. So yeah, I, I would say we'll be in a good place. We'll be positive. Well, look, Bill, we always like positivity on this podcast, so that's really good. Let's see what happens next, or how right or wrong you are. But uh, thanks again. We'll catch up again soon. All right, right. Thank you much indeed. Lovely to talk to you. Right. Let's welcome now Tom Setchell, who is the managing director of RFK in the Midlands. There, hello, Tom. Hey, I'm doing. How are you doing? I'm very, very well, thank you. Now, before we get into predicting the future, let's just hear a little bit about RFK for those who aren't very familiar with you. Give us the brief story. Okay, so uh, we're an independent kitchen showroom. Uh, I've got uh, two showrooms, one in based in Rugby and a slightly smaller one in Warwick. And we've also got a contract business supplying small and medium-sized builders. Yes, and the R stands for Rugby. Indeed. So RFK kitchen outside of Rugby, but uh, very much Rugby kitchen within the town. So you're you're a very experienced retailer. I think lots of people will will know Trevor Scott, who's obviously mm-hmm. works with you. Uh, but let's get into the detail here. We're looking at how we're looking at how long this boom period may last. So let's just get a snapshot of RFK. How's business for you right now, and how far ahead are you booking actual jobs on the board? So, so business is good. Uh, it's been fantastic. Um, we're booked up 
certainly until Christmas, uh, with a few jobs uh, kind of part of January 12th as well. So we're looking to get January closed off as quickly as possible and as much work into February as we can uh, prior to uh, shut down at Christmas. And you know, how typical is that um, compared to other years, do you think? So I think we're probably a month further uh, on than we would be typically at this time of year. So uh, it, it felt very much like the uh, Christmas rush started early this year. Um, so kind of beginning of August, I would have said, most people. The pre-Christmas installations were coming in and brought into a then as opposed to the normal ones for kids have gone back to school. And let's sort of wind the clock back a little bit. When did you see a, a real boom in this demand, this 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 uh, intense need for people to up to update their kitchens or their bathrooms? When did you first see that started to happen? And and when did you start thinking, hang on, we might be okay here coming out of lockdown? Uh, good question. So there's been kind of quite a few peaks and troughs that I've said from when we exited the first lockdown. <clears throat> we were quite good at getting a lot of people queued up through the when the showroom was shut from the 1st of January to uh, to April. Um, so we were very, very busy at that period. And in fact, where I thought we would have to uh, furlough designers, that wasn't the case at all. Um, so uh, I was amazed at how many people actually committed and converted to kitchens that hadn't set foot in the showroom. Uh, but equally, we'd had a, a big uh, queue of people ready to go so that when the doors could open, they could come and touch and feel. Uh, so that was probably our biggest key. Um, just coming out of the uh, second lockdown, April, May of this year. Right. So I suppose the big question here is, what's your gut feeling about what happens next? Do you think this demand will last, or is this you know, the last peak? Is it all going to downhill from here? What's your What's your view? Well, I'd probably say that we're already experiencing or seeing the signs that the, you know, the, the major peak is over. Um, as we're aware, there's a lot in the news at the moment, a lot on the horizon with, interest rates and fuel prices, whether that's domestic supply at home or, um, uh, you know, cars, etc., uh, which impacts everybody. Um, but uh, the football definitely uh, slowed down a bit over the course of the last month, I would say. Um, so historically, you know, this would normally be absolute being time, and uh, it's lower than it was uh, in September and in August. Um, that said, though, the actual quality of the leagues are very good. So uh, I'm not overly concerned in that respect because actually it means that we can offer better service to the customers that are coming and seeing us now. Um, so we're conversion rates a bit at the moment. And, um, yeah, we've got a nice steady football, but um, it's certainly not uh, off the levels that we've experienced over the summer. Right. I mean, that's interesting because what's what are the signs that you look at to make your assessment? Is it house prices, interest rates, footfall? What what are the benchmarks that you actually make a scientific judgment on? Uh-huh. Well, I'm not quite sure how scientific it is, but um, what we do pay close attention to is the footfall, the quality of the leads, and also the type of the leads. So uh, we've got a reasonable uh, pipeline of extension work carrying us into next year. Um, but... Uh, <clears throat> So yeah, so it's the footfall predominantly that uh, we keep the closest, closest eye on, um, which is it's good carrying forward at the moment. But uh, the big question mark or the crystal ball is, is, you know, how long will that last? Yeah, it's a very hard thing to predict, isn't it? Because I mean, part of your job is you obviously have to make be a bit of a fortune teller. Yeah. And you know, different people have different methods or different uh, benchmarks that they use to try and try and evaluate that. I know one retailer, for example, who would avidly follow the price of bricks. Okay. Right. 
because he would see the price of bricks as being a, a real benchmark for how the, how the market is doing, which is you know, each to their own, I suppose. Now, as you mentioned at the top there, you have a very, you know, successful contracts division, the contracts on to RFK. How is that market comparing in terms of demand and what kind of timescales do you look at for that? Okay, so uh, we, we're busy quoting at the moment, which uh, again bodes well for the future. Um, so, in fact, we are uh, actively um, about to start looking for um, another designer to join us in contract to, to cope with the demand. Uh, there still seems to be plenty out there, but a bit of a mixed bag with what with some developers, um, uh, what they're up to. So, we've got one client that uh, was very much our customer that seems to have concentrated more on affordable housing for the last six months. Um, which obviously is not really our market, um, but uh, most of our regular guys are, are just carrying on with uh, what they're doing. In fact, we've had a little bit of a lull, but of course, um, we're on a, another peak with people trying to get everything finished for Christmas at the moment. So that again seems a, a, a fairly typical deadline, um, but uh, I'm confident that we've got enough work and uh, that we're quoting to uh, carry us into and through the first quarter of next year, and then it's, we're looking at quarter two then. I mean, is this one of the situations where, you know, because you have the retail arm and the contracts arm, when one is up, the other is down, or when one is down, the other, you know, the consistency of the other uh, really helps you? Is that where the, the, the balance is useful? Well, I think, I think that's the theory. It um, doesn't always work out that way. And fortunately, we've been pretty much both have been busy. So, uh, you know, no complaints there. And uh, nice, nice to have, you know, both, both sectors busy as well. Um, that's concerning. And... Because of the demand that's been there, and as you say, there's been peaks and troughs, do you think that the industry itself has coped well with this level of demand? Because obviously lots of retailers like you are seeing issues with supply, yeah. getting hold of products, you know, getting hold of installers, et cetera, et cetera. You know, do you think this, the industry has coped well, do you think, as a whole? Uh, good question as to how it, is it coped well. Uh, everything seems to have its own frustrations at the moment, most of which I think have been covered in the previous uh, podcast. I mean, supply chain is the biggest headache for us at the moment. And I would say in some respects, it's actually held us back. Um, it's very difficult to market, especially with promotions where historically we have used uh, various appliances um, and been supported by the major brands, brands in that as well. And also, uh, from a retail perspective, our cookery evenings have always been really, really successful for us. And it changes the relationship with the customer. And I've just not really felt able to do so. So we've got so many barriers in, in the way at the moment, even down to how many people would feel comfortable with having them in the showroom at any one time. And I was even looking at putting an outdoor event on, and by the same token, I don't have the confidence in the appliances that we would be wanting to demonstrate and upsell uh, their availability. So we feel very much uh, kind of strangled at the moment with the supply chain. Uh, we're doing our very best to manage it. So um, we've committed to stock, which is something we've never done before, um, on all the kind of um, best-selling products. Um, but of course, it's, it's very constraining all the time because we love upselling and you know talking about benefits of the, uh, the high-range products, but still unable to do so at the moment because the last thing we need is to get to uh, sitting Mr. and Mrs. Jones's kitchen and uh, their top of the range oven that we've been harping on about has not arrived. Yeah, so you don't feel that you can entirely make hay while the sun shines here? Correct. Right, okay. I mean, you mentioned it earlier on about taking on another designer. 
I think one of the long, one of the most difficult things about predicting the future is the people that you need to do the jobs because you you, you can't pull them in and out at a moment's notice. Are you, are you how confident are you to be able to hire people on both sides of the business now? Um, I think installers is as historically is as well is uh, a massive gap in the market. I'm looking at our own uh, installer base and uh, the average age for people to go up every year. Um, there's not a lot of uh, young blood coming in. Um, and certainly uh, around the uh, middle-aged group that seems to be lacking. So we're lucky in that uh, we've got a few uh, younger installers that um, bring a, an air of professionalism as well to the job. Um, so they use the communication via email, etc., uh, which is all, all very good. Um, uh, our company, we seem to have the best success when we take somebody on and train them up ourselves. Um, but uh, we were fortunate to employ um, uh, an experienced designer for the retail business um, just a couple of months ago, um, and she's turning out to, uh, to be a great success as well. Yeah, and that's really good, isn't it? I think when you can see the results, that's when it that's when it gets uh, that's when the, those predictions become uh, validated in that way. So, look, let's round this off here, Tom, with the hardest question of all here. Um, where is our where is RFK going to be in twelve months' time? Do you think? What's your prediction for a year from now? If I talk to you in uh, at the end of October twenty twenty two, where do you think you'll be? Uh, well, certainly further forward than we are at the moment, uh, or at least level. Um, obviously, for growth in our contact business, and uh, I'm hoping uh, with everything crossed that the supply chain issues have been ironed out, and we can get back to uh, managing and possessing the business properly as opposed to uh, reacting to um, shortages and uh, all the other management that goes along with that. You, you say that, Tom, but but who knows what the hell's going to happen? <laughs> indeed, indeed. I always I always say the retailers should be planning now for that robot invasion from outer space. That's that's all I'm saying. You know, crisis management is the thing that I think lots of people have learned from all this. I suspect. Yeah. Look, Tom, thank you so much for your time today. Um, it's really it's so interesting to get you know the the front line view of things like this. I will be back to you in a few months' time to either congratulate you on your foresight or to laugh at how wrong you were. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. Good stuff. You're welcome. Cheers, Andrew. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Bye-bye. That was Tom Setchell there, and while it may have sounded like he was in a submarine, he was actually talking to us from his RFK showroom in Rugby. Thanks also to Bill Miller from the KBBG, of course. Don't forget, entries close for the KBB Review Retail and Design Awards 2022 on November the 16th. It's totally free to enter, so for all the details, go to kbbreview.com forward slash awards. I'll see you next time.